is Justin Haley driving the number 31 College Racing Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series. Hey guys, this is Sheldon Creed, driver of the number two wheel in Chevrolet for RCR Race. Hey everybody, this is Adam Alexander from NASCAR on Fox. This is Sam Air. You're listening to the You're listening to the Front Stretch Podcast with Brian. Brian Nova. people yes i am back and i'm better than ever hello friend says the good old jim nance says brian timothy dale nolan here with you on another edition of the front stretch podcast with you guessed it mr brian timothy dale nolan on this week's edition of the program who better than one of the most fantastic human beings on this planet mr jared haas i call him big haas because he is big in my heart as well as you can see him in person we're also going to be diving into al nice and his uh part three of our interview that we conducted or should i say daniel not daniel dalton hopkins conducted with al nice uh first two parts were spectacular and i know this third part is going to be even better and then last but not least we're going to be diving into gateway worldwide technology raceware or whatever the hell it's called let's be honest they they change names like i change my uh socks every single day it feels like that being said, we got so much to talk about and a little time to do so. So, Trey, just wave this green flag and kick it off, right, bro? Let's go racing, boys! Oh, yeah. I'm back. I'm better than ever. And you know what? Um, first and foremost, Trey, uh, beautiful job hosting. It was not just a great job. It was a beautiful job. Um, it was not a vacation. Though. I worked like 12-hour days at my regular job. So, um, it really wasn't a vacation. It was just like a work um it was like a work break so to speak um but hey that's okay i'm bigger and better than ever and you know who's better than ever that's mr big hoss because not only did big hoss suffer through multiple rain delays he even stayed an extra day because he loves covering the sport we love so much called nascar big hoss is joining the program this weekend how you doing jared i missed you buddy (laughs) well i am glad to be back in arkansas after an extended vacation more or less of what happened in charlotte we had rizzle drizzle pretty much the whole week and especially sunday and uh, it was just annoying because even when the radar looked clear there was still drizzle especially on sunday and i was it was basically a 15 hour day covering 900 miles of racing for front stretch but i'm glad to do it and I was glad to see what happened there this weekend. Hashtag shout out, hashtag Rizzle Drizzle. That's what uh, Big Hoss describes as uh, rain. So shout out Rizzle Drizzle. Uh, Jared, let's just dive right into the, the elephant in the room. Um, it, it was on Monday evening. Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, they were battling. Um, Denny kind of door chased into the wall a little bit coming off of four. And Chase said, you know what, screw off. Uh, Denny and he just right hooked him into the wall and monsters crash kind of a reminiscent of the blaze Alexander one that um, unfortunately took blaze's life very scary Um, and Denny was very outspoken said he should be suspended uncalled for unnecessary he was throwing temper tantrum Um, chase basically told the reporters that he couldn't hear anything um, so on and so forth and well it came out on Tuesday afternoon, Chase Elliott suspended for one race. Now we'll get to his replacement in just a moment. But um, honestly, Jared, good for good for NASCAR, bro. Well, I mean, right rookies, right 
hooking someone on the front straightaway at a high speed is basically the baseball analogy is throwing a 98 mile per hour fastball to someone's helmet. It's oh not okay. I mean, you've had this incident with Bubba Wallace. That was not okay. Took out Christopher Bell in the process. You even had Carson Hosovar do that with Kobe Howard at well in the truck series race last year. It's not a good way to take somebody out. And Chase Elliott was frustrated with the way that how Denny Hamlin raced him. He was fine. Denny Hamlin, you had to look at the detail in the SMT data, wasn't as clear as an eyeball test as the Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson deal. But Denny Hamlin basically proved he's more or less the mayor of NASCAR now um, because he made his statements, he brought the evidence, and NASCAR pretty swiftly suspended Chase Elliott for one race. And I, I understand and I completely get Denny Hamlin's frustration. You just took him out, and that was a pretty serious crash. And I think he even said during his podcast that, you know, his neck's hurting. That's not okay to wreck someone like that intentionally, whether you're Bubba Wallace, the quote-unquote most hated driver in NASCAR, or whether you're the golden boy Chase Elliott. NASCAR sent a message and was at least consistent with it that, hey – whether you mess around or not, whether you're the all-time favorite or not, don't right rear someone on the front straightaway. It period. I mean, that's that's just childish of how you need to race somebody and try to retaliate of what happened on the racetrack. Yeah, and not only did he do that, he he ruined his own day. I mean, like his his own car w- was was ruined. So I, I don't get that. He he was an idiot. What an idiot. Um, award goes to him because I mean, just don't be stupid. And um, and I will make mention too that this is about the worst race because Chase Elliott's still trying to look on the outside in with his injury. You know, one, he took himself out of the race where he needed to get a lot of points, and then Mm -hmm. also, too, with Gateway with being suspended, he took away an opportunity to win to get in. So I, it wasn't really a smart move. It was a short-term gain in Chase Elliott's book that, you know, it's just long-term effects is not really good for the number nine car. Now, uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And although he got suspended um, for this race, an open spot came available. So people were thinking, oh, maybe it would be an Xfinity driver. We saw Josh Berry uh, replace uh, Alex Bowman and then even replace Chase when they both got injured. But um, newsflash, they are in Portland this upcoming weekend, in which yours truly will be on site to cover it. A long, long day for me there, but I'll get to that um, at the end of the program. Um, So we were thinking, well, maybe they can make the cross-country trip, have someone um, fly in uh, for just the race, have someone practice qualify. They said no, because for the last 214 races, Corey Joy has not been in as good of equipment as probably he should be. He gets that chance this weekend. Massive, massive opportunity for Mr. Corey Joy, the Concord, North Carolina, uh, second-generation, maybe even third-generation NASCAR driver. Huge opportunity for Corey, Jared. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of almost like the same opportunity Alex Bowman had in the yeah, series when he analogy. was, you know, lined up to replace, you know, get Dale Jr.'s replacement and be that replacement driver. So this is a huge opportunity for Corey LaJoy. You mentioned it, 214 starts. And this season arguably is his best season so far, especially the performance of Spire Motorsports. Seems like there's an extra oomph in there. Average finish of 19th place. 
that's that's a career best for Corey LaJoy in the Cup Series. So curious to see how this momentum going forward, the growth of the team and the growth of Corey LaJoy can transition into the number nine car. And how often do you get to drive a Hendrick Motorsports car during a Cup Series race, Brian Nolan? I don't get that opportunity. You probably don't get that opportunity. But Corey LaJoy gets it done. And I think even Daniel McFan mentioned this um, too during his Dropping the Hammer podcast that I'm on, that Corey LaJoy delivered a handwritten note to Rick Hendrick to, you know, to be the replacement driver when Alex Bowman got the nod. I think Rick Hendrick remembered when, when Corey LaJoy wanted to ride. And, you know, when the time came, this was the time. Corey LaJoy is driving the number nine car. I didn't have that on my bingo car at the beginning of the year. You know, I, I didn't either, but there's been a lot of things that I didn't have on that NASCAR would suspend Chase Elliott, that Chase Elliott would get in a snowboarding accident, that Alex Bowman would get in, in a wreck. Out of all those three, Alex Bowman getting in a wreck would be the uh, least um, surprising, but definitely them suspending Chase Elliott for an on-track activity the most. Uh, Carson Osfar is going to be taking over that seven car for Corey LeJoy. It's a good run for him as well. So looking forward to seeing what we see from the driver now of the number nine, who what has been in the number seven. Last but not least, Jared, we forgot to mention, oh yeah, uh, Ryan Blaney broke a fairly long winless streak, leading seven times for 163 laps. Looked like him and William Byron um, battling it out, basically had the two best cars. However, 16 caution flags, they had to uh, go back and forth. 31 lead changes, I mean, what more could you want from a race? And uh, even though it wasn't a side-by-side battle-to-the-line finish, still a fantastic race. Let's remember the next-gen car at North Wilkesboro, and then we compare it to Charlotte Motor Speedway. The next-gen car has proven that it's capable to race at these mile-and-a-half tracks. I almost we need to have, like, a different car at short tracks compared to uh, these, you know, mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, because the this was great racing. Again, people were trying to hang on to it. You even saw Kyle Larson, of all people, wreck and struggle during the Coca-Cola 600. So, you know, Kyle Larson, pretty decorated driver in racing. And he, he's struggling at Charlotte Motor Speedway, 600 miles. You know, it's a big old test testament to NASCAR, making a car that's raceable, but, you know, not easy to drive. It's not a good old Sunday drive anymore. So I think that's, it's a good step in the right direction for the next gen car. At least we'll go through our ebb and flows. You know, we'll go to the short track. Oh, you know, next gen car sucks. And then we'll go to like road course. Oh, why are we even at a road course? And then we'll go to this, you know, these mile and a half and all balances it out. So I think this is, you know, I, I'm glad that we're at least going to Charlotte here for at least the Coca-Cola 600. We kept that. But as I've mentioned, we need to turn the fall race in Charlotte back to an oval and turn Texas Motor Speedway into the Toval. Let's make that into the road course. You know what? I, I saw that um, from the our, our Slack channel, and I thought that's a fantastic – I think it was Amy Henderson that, that mentioned that, or, or was it – I don't know who it was. I've been mentioning this for weeks. Okay, then. okay, Jared. I've been on the record saying that, my friend, okay? okay? Okay, Jared Haas mentioned this. Um, so, so, um, big, big thanks to, uh, uh, Jared Haas for, for that. With that being said, Jared, um, does this, could this kickstart Ryan Blaney? And because like we see him and it's usually like at a super speedway or like he maybe lucks into it, like, like the, uh, the Roval, 
Could we see him going a little bit of a tear? You know, I kind of asked a kind of a question like that to Ryan Blaney post-race because, again, the season's mirroring his season best in 2021. Pretty similar average finish. Uh, Ryan Blaney had three wins this season. I asked him, and he said it was not really comparable um, with especially with this next-gen car. But I could see the possibility with Ryan Blaney getting the momentum of finally winning. You know, you had the, you know, you didn't have, well, you said Ryan Blaney barely made the playoffs, but I don't think he was in owner points, though. So I think it's at least nice that both the 12 driver and the 12 team are competing for the championship this season. So, you know, a win and win is always going to jumpstart something. It's going to depend with the team. How long can they keep that momentum going? Jared, any final thoughts about Charlotte before we take a quick break? Well, I like to make mention of who's replacing Corey LaJoy in the number seven car okay. at Spire Motorsports is Carson Hosevar. Um, Carson Hosevar has obviously been in some of the news topics of week, as we mentioned, right, right wearing. He's kind of had that with IRP last year, even Martinsville this year. But he's definitely proven, especially with Spire Motorsports this season. You look at the Xfinity series, he's performed well. If you look at his starts during the 2023 season with Spire Motorsports, Carson Hosevar, three Xfinity races, two top tens, um, a sixth at Darlington and eighth at Charlotte, even have laps led. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Carson Hosevar races on a bigger audience in the Cup Series. I think there's a lot of potential with Carson Hosevar. The biggest thing to go forward with his career is keeping you know, his temper in check, especially on the racetrack. I think if he can keep that, the, you know, the, the ceiling is really high for Carson. Jared, stay right there, buddy. When we come back, we're going to be diving into uh, Dalton's interview with Al Nice, part three. So um, in the, in the middle, in the middle of a firefight, which uh, is pretty harrowing. So um, Al, uh, so this these engagements that occurred, you know, you're talking about what it's like. Uh, you said that your officers were, were like, first off, can, can you tell me the name of, of, of the Lieutenant? Roger that. So no problem. So let's go ahead and, uh, talk about you winding down, getting out of Vietnam. Uh, what was the emotion like knowing that, you know, let's go two months out. So what was the emotion like knowing that you were almost done? Well, uh, uh, I couldn't believe when I got back to Don Hong, Da Nang, and uh, getting ready to ship back to the States and went to a movie. I hadn't seen a movie in a year. I went to PX and got a hamburger, which I hadn't had in, except for R&R, but, uh, and that was more alcohol than food. Hmm. But a hamburger and a chocolate malt bag of popcorn and I went to a movie and saw Taming of the Shrew with uh, Liz Taylor and Richard Burton. And uh, I'll remember that. Too. I thought, this is what, it, this is life, you know. And I'm walking over to the airfield in Denang and here were some troops coming in. And I swore to God they had these, these young Marines looked like they were 12-year-old kids. Of course, they had to be 18, but 
my God, everybody looks so young. And I'm 22 years old. These guys are only maybe four years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. And they look like kids. So uh, that was an awakening. So I got back. uh, We flew back. And um, you're back in the real world. And I came back with two guys from my squad. And um, they lived in California. My folks picked us up at uh, El Toro. And we are going to the house. They were going to spend the day with us at night. Then they were going to go home. But Dad was driving 60 miles an hour. And it was scary. Yes. Felt like he was doing 100. Because I hadn't been anything more than what a 6 by would on a dirt road. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get your leave. Try to get your feet on the ground. Uh, uh, because of uh, my rank and stuff, I got to pick what I wanted to do, and I went into force recon. And um, that's why they made it very enticing for me hmm. to ship over. So, um, so I went through pre-jump school, school to school, in a relatively short period of time that I had left. So I'm, I'm sorry, you said, did you, you say you signed up for force recon? Yeah. When I got back, <laughs> that's like a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, well we, we'd had a little taste of it because I'd gone to Laos twice and North Vietnam once with a squad. And, uh, you know, I like small unit tactics and, yeah. uh, that's about as small as it gets. And, uh, yeah, I did Boeing Ascents out of a sub off of California. And I was only in. I got out at the end of June. So in about four or five months, uh, and it, you know, you're in the service, so you know, if whatever your training cycle is, definitely if you're in the infantry, it's pretty boring. Because yeah. familiarization with weapons, and then six weeks later, you start the training cycle all over. Well, at that time in Force Recon, we became familiar with every kind of weapon, what what was available for on-call. You know, uh, not that I had the opportunity, but we could have called in the New Jersey, which was the battleship off of the coast of Vietnam, but we did call in air. Uh, so those are all segments that really made the military life exciting for me. And... Um, and I was in shape, so it, it wasn't anything that bad. We did go down to Coronado, and at that time, it wasn't the BUDS program that it mm-hmm. is now, but we did the high-altitude chamber. We did the telephone pole in the surf and rubber boats. And it combined, I think, ours down there was a week and a half. And uh, they didn't bump anybody out because there was only like 12 of us. So. Yeah, they needed the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, for, I'm going to catch people up again. So, Alice describing here basically that he signed up for Fort, for Marine Corps Force Recon and Marine the Marine Corps Force Recon uh, unit. Uh, they are basically the special operations unit for the for the United States Marine Corps. Uh, he describes going to Coronado, and Coronado also is the training base uh, for the U.S. Navy SEALs. And Bud's is a uh, basic underwater demolition school, um, which is also the uh, the 
famous, or I guess I could say infamous uh, training school for the United States Navy SEALs, uh, and includes the uh, the famous Hell Week. If you've ever seen any movie uh, involving Navy SEALs, you, you've probably seen that, uh, bits and pieces of that. So, Al, what can you tell me about your time in Force Recon? And what did you, I mean, did you do ops with them? Yeah, we did. Uh, we were on a submarine. It was doing right there at the very end of my enlistment. I mean, they had papers ready for me to go. I wanted, I requested all this stuff and, and uh, all these schools. And uh, I would have been in the February 69 class of OCS at Quantico. And I would have had these other schools out of the way. Uh, jump school at Bing and... Uh, uh, then back down to get recertified in uh, school, but uh, in cold weather training at Pickle Meadows and jungle warfare down in Panama. But, uh, you know, I was single. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Uh, you got time. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's swing for the fences and you might as well see how much fun this is. Yeah. So, uh, but I also, came home with uh, one of my what I kind of pride myself on I, there was two ribbons I didn't get I didn't get a purple heart nor a good conduct belt <laughs> so, uh, I take pride in both of those so uh, but I also thought you know I, I went through it once and I thought you know we bet I didn't lose anybody directly out of my squad I mean we lost some corpsmen we lost lieutenant but no one in my immediate squad under my immediate we got everybody got wounded except me but um i, I just might be pushing the envelope a little bit harder than i really wanted to <laughs> so i i didn't re up my goodness so all right okay I, I i wanted to get back to you getting out of the, the marine corps but i I got to be honest, I didn't know about this Force Recon chapter of your life. So I just want to ask a couple more questions regarding that. So you jumped school. What was that like? It was pre-jump school. Okay. It was, uh, we went through everything, but uh, we learned PLS and everything. But, uh, of course, you know, at Benning, uh, they have the iron mic for each class. And there's always a couple of Marines in, in a jump, jump school class. And... Uh, but I would I would go on the jumps with the guys with the training jumps. And I'd pull the deployment bags back in and uh, just bide my time. They were hoping I could. I kept and it was one of the biggest decisions I had in my life was wanted to re up. As a twenty two year old getting ready to be twenty three, I it was all laid out there for me. I just you know we various times in your life you have a fork in the road and which way you going to go. And, and uh, I decided not to, right? Not to re up, right? And there's times I regret it, but times also I, I, I would have made I, I would have made a career out of it. I think when I did get out, I got into the reserve unit, and uh, some of the the people, some of the young men at the time, we had nothing but men in, but. Uh, they were in the reserves just to stay out of combat. Yeah. And uh, I can't think of very many of them I'd want to go into combat with. Uh, 
you have to have an awful lot of, as you know, you got to have an awful lot of trust mm-hmm. with with the, the guy beside you. Yeah. So. Uh, and it helps that that guy's yeah. got experience. Yeah. Well, we in the reserve unit we had some well, we had some officers. Remember, we were short officers too. Hell, I had a weapons platoon, and I got a rocker when I was in the reserves, and and uh, we were short officers, so I had a weapons platoon. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's entirely different to the type of recruits we were having. That we had some officers went back in active duty and resigned and came back out in a year because the caliber of troops coming in was just nothing but a headache. And uh, of course, things were getting a little active in the late 60s on stateside with protests and stuff. So Mm -hmm. different times. So uh, I I also want to, so let's talk about you coming back then. Um, You're out of the Marine Corps, you decide not to re-up. So when you arrive back in the stateside, um, are you, are now, was it, are you in your uniform when you arrived back? Yeah. Okay. Utilities. So can you, were, were there protesters at the airport? Not that I recall, not okay. at El Toro, uh, mm-hmm. when I'd go on leave or something. Uh, I had kind of a short fuse, mm-hmm. um, uh, a very good friend, friend of mine that uh, I was overseas with. Uh, we called him Red, and uh, we were we were on our leave coming home, and we're uh, and well, early morning breakfast, and bumped into uh, three of these squids, and and there was an altercation, and. Uh, it didn't take much to to strike a a nerve with, uh, and I really this later in life. Uh, another one of my buddies became an MP, and so they were constantly breaking up fights between returning vets and what have you. So gotcha. Uh, now squids just you, frustrated. Now by squids, do you mean do you mean Navy personnel? Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so so you get back, and thankfully, based off what you told me, no protesters there at the airport. Um, I, from my understanding, you got into trucking after that. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I got into I, uh, I had various several jobs. I didn't get into trucking so much as uh, mechanical. Okay. Because of uh, I can figure things out. I'm good with my hands. Mm-hmm. I got into uh, I wanted to get become a mechanical engineer, and so I got into school. I got into uh, UT. Uh, I am not an academician by any figment of the imagination. But if you're going to hunt elephants, you got to go where the elephants are. If you're going to meet a bunch of women, you got to go to school. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I spent about five years at different schools trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. So, uh, and I stumbled into uh, uh, heavy equipment sales and 
it took off from there. And then uh, I was selling for other manufacturers, other dealers, and got off on my own. Uh, the uh, and was buying equipment from people I was trying to rent and sell against. I said, I got to figure out something that I can be a mark maker in. And I got into the water truck business and fuel lube truck business. And that's the rest is history. So 45 years ago. So So at what point did NASCAR start catching your eye? Well, I started, when I got back, like I said, I had a late model and then I had a drag boat and then I had a sprint car. Mm -hmm. And then I bumped into a friend that, was sponsoring a uh, uh, partial sponsoring a uh, NASCAR Finity driver, and I'd go up, go to the races with them, and I helped him out a few times. And, and I said, "But they had the truck division, and I do trucks." I said, "Well, that's a little more interesting, and uh, I could tie that in with a justify it in my mind that you know." Why sponsor a car when I have trucks? So uh, uh, I bought it. Like I said, I bought a used truck, and, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's it's done going for us. We've been able to entertain employees, potential clients, and uh, this year's the last couple of years have been very very exciting. And when we had Ross, obviously it was. Uh, that was four years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 2019. It was our third year racing, and Ross came within one point of mm-hmm. winning the driver's championship. I came within one point winning owner's championship. Right. In our third year. So, and Ross and I, and the team, and uh, Cody Efall, who manages East Motorsports, uh, 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 I consider Ross a, a personal friend, even outside of racing. So, uh, and then of course, Cody's Cody and Ross are very close. Right. Uh, it's probably better that I'm 1,400 miles away from all that stuff in North Carolina because mm-hmm. it's rather frustrating at times. Right. So Carson, but Carson Osevar obviously just got his win uh, at Texas and that was a really big deal for him. And I'm sure a really big deal for the team. Second, only the the second driver for win for Nice Motorsports. What's, what is, what is it like working for Carson? I mean, what, what exactly is it that do you see in him? Carson uh, is only 20 this year, Mm -hmm. but uh, I mean, he has so much innate ability i mean he studies uh more i mean he's reviewing film he's in sims all the time or as as often as he can get in uh he's always talking to the engineers and he gives back information on what the truck is doing better than probably anybody and which makes him really very easy to work with um but he's got so much talent. Uh, uh, the only disappointment we have, you know, we had four or five second place wins last year. I think 
about 10 in the top 10, 10 or 12 in the top 10 finishing. A couple of them, last lap, we we screwed up. So uh, it was there for the taking. Uh, I know after the race, he said he didn't deserve to win. He deserved to win, believe me. Uh, uh, but he's, he's putting it all together. Uh, I think he needed that win really, really bad because it's starting to get how much longer it's going to take this second and third and top five. And it was just eating at him. It was eating at the team. But, you know, we run, we're running three trucks this year, and that win for the whole organization was phenomenal, just really phenomenal. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of our dash or the wall in our shop. It's press the attack. Yes. My commanding officer, that was once we got back to the station, got every time you get a note from him, it wasn't sincerely or anything. It was press the attack. And I, so that's I think, where it came from. I think, yeah, well, I'd say it was from him, but I think I could be wrong on this. I've never researched, but I thought it was an Andrew Jackson deal because uh, 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 Skipper was very, he was a Civil War mm-hmm. buff. So, uh, but I plagiarized it. It's been my attitude. I finally found that, you know, this press the attacks, perfect, you know. So, so is it's that on the wall at the shop? And it's on, should be on the dash of most of the trucks. And we have the Eagle Globe and Anchor on the beat post. And, and fly that Eagle Globe and Anchor right there beside the American flag and Chevy flag. So, uh, proud to have been a Marine and a veteran. So, well, that that's almost a perfect way to end it right there, Al. It, you you applying what you learned in the United States Marine Corps into your own race team, and now them being winners already in 2023 and heading into the playoffs for this year. Al, I absolutely thank you so much for meeting with me. This has been an absolute, and I and I mean this wholeheartedly. This has been such a pleasure to talk with you, um, to to connect almost about just some of the things that you went through. I'm a huge history buff. I love, you know, talking to veterans, especially those from Vietnam. And uh, this has been a pleasure for me. And I hope this is a pleasure for everyone listening uh, to this podcast. Well, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Al, thank you so much. And for those of you listening, uh, we appreciate you listening to the Front Stretch Podcast. And Al, of course, I wish you luck uh, for you and your team. Uh, later on this year and the years beyond. Look us up at the track. Semper Fi. Absolutely. Roger that. Cool. Once again, big thanks to my man, Mr. Dalton Hopkins, for letting us play that interview that he did with Al Nice. I, I didn't even know um, Al Nice's story until Dalton reached out was like, yo, my brother, um, I, we, we should play this interview. And I was like, okay, cool. So uh, at Pit Lane, LT on the Twitter. You can follow him. You can follow me on Twitter at the Brian Owen. Um, you can follow this beautiful soul at Real Jared Haas with two A's, H A A S, at Real Jared Haas. Mr. Big Haas himself. Jared, great interview. Are you ready to talk about Gateway, my friend? I am ready. I, like I said, it, that was kind of my uh, track growing up. I've been to Gateway several times. And I even covered my first race for frontstretch.com at Gateway in 2021 for the truck series race. 
perfect. Now you were not there last year, but you were there for the truck series, like uh, like you just said. What is different about this racetrack? Obviously, it's in St. Louis and everything. Uh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, but but what is different that separates this track from from the other ones, like like a New Hampshire, or like a Phoenix? It's basically a flattened version of Darlington. You know, the Darlington, it's very, it's an egg-shaped type of oval. Turn one and two, a little bit more sweeping compared to turn three and four. So if you got the capability of, you know, you got one side of the racetrack you're doing well, probably not the other side you're doing as well as either. You have to sometimes compromise, and you can't really rely on the speed of Darlington, the baking that it has there, compared to Gateway. But it's a flat track, you know, in order to keep the speed, it's more in the driver's hand. It's not really the speed of the car. It's more of the technique um, that they have to keep speed in the corner. Now, last year, first ever race for the Cup Series at Worldwide Technology Raceway. I know we keep calling it Gateway. It will forever be Gateway. It's like Lucas Oil Raceway and IRP and ORP or URP or, or whatever the hell they call it these days. But it, it feels like that they change their name every single week. Like I said, with my socks, um, but um, Worldwide Raceway is what they call it now. Diving into it, first time they had it was last year. Great crowd. Um, listening to the guys in DVC, uh, Brett Griffin said it was the best environment he was seeing. He saw all of last year just because they were so excited. Now, it will it be like that this upcoming weekend? I don't know. But what what was it about this? past year with this inaugural event was it just because it was an inaugural event jared that there's so much hoopla and hype about it or is this track going to be something special for years to come i think there's something special to come because gateways had this history um when i was there going into fan i was going right at the end um like i said i've been to races like 08 09 and 2010 even i was there when carl edwards and brad kozlowski made contact on the final oh. lap during that race so and to see that compare that crowd to what it is now is an astonishment considering what the track president has done to keep this and there's still you know there's a lot of racing groups in southern illinois a lot of dirt tracks as you see in the arca schedule they're in southern illinois so there's definitely racing that's down there and they kind of miss that and you know, the heart grows fonder when you miss something and you see a lot of fans there. And I thought I saw reports that it's being close to sold out. So another good crowd is cooking for um, at Gateway, I like to still call it. And it's even more impressive because of the fact it's, it's situated in Madison on the Illinois side of things. And, you know, the concern I, I had concerns in the inaugural event with like parking and stuff. It's kind of crammed in there um, with the track and. I was like, oh boy, let's see how this goes. I don't want, you know, a Kentucky type parking dis uh, disaster, but we heard none of it. Yeah. Apparently they got it taken care of and fans got out of there in time and everyone, they, you know, had a great time on that. So I'm hopeful again that 2023 can produce a similar results to 2022 and keep the racing route strong in Southern Illinois. The Enjoy Illinois 300 in Missouri. I, I don't get that, but you know Missouri, Illinois. I guess they're kind of they're kind of um, alike in in the map of the United States. But the Enjoy Illinois 300 this upcoming Sunday at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Last year, Joey Logano won 
always will be remembered for the Denny Hamlin Ross Chastain incident. Um, could any of the people that were contending last year, could that translate to this year or with the biggest difference with how long just the difference between when we were there last year compared to this year, does that translate anymore? I think there, you know, Gateway is going to be a technical track. You saw like an Xfinity series as all the, but you know, the, the bushwhackers, as they say, the back of the day, True. the cream of the crop rises to the top on this occasion. You had Joey Logano last year, who eventually became the champion of 2022. So I could see again where, you know, drivers that have that experience can notch uh, a win in their belt here at Gateway. Um, I'm looking, obviously, at Logano again, and I'm still looking at, like, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. They performed well here at last way at Gateway. Obviously, Kyle Busch with a new team, but he's still fired up with Richard Childress Racing. Jared, I cannot let you go or do our picks, I should say, without mentioning the Pacific Office Automation 147 in Portland, Oregon. Yes, folks, I'm going to be there 4.30 p.m. Eastern on F. S1 or on MRN. Um, and I'm excited for this. I mean, looks like it's going to be some fantastic weather. It's supposed to be mid 80s. Um, you got country music star Sam Hunt going to perform after the race. And then how about some road course ringers? IMSA driver um, was in a cup race earlier. Jordan Taylor is going to be driving in the college car. You got Mike Snyder is going to be racing in there. Um, but then you also got the heavy hitters, the guys like Sammy Smith, who, who said he, he loves road courses. You got um, other stars. Justin Allgaier was great here last year in the rain. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that translates. Um, Jared, when it's all said and done, what are you expecting out of this race? Because I had to mention it because I'm going to be in attendance there. Yeah. Well, like I said, as as we do, we have we're covering races for you guys, and Better we've got the rotation. It. You know, I was in Charlotte last weekend. You're covering a race this weekend in Portland, but. I mean, we got to compare to last season. Last season, it was like the weather at Charlotte. It was True. rain. We had rain tires. Uh, we did get the whole race in. But, I mean, that's a little bit less. That was a pretty chaotic race, considering last year. I expect a little less chaos than that. But I, I don't expect, like, an absolute clean race either. Because, you know, Portland, there's a lot of technicalities you can you need to do in Portland with the uh, – with the road course, especially, I think it's coming off the last turn. There's some higher speed parts of the track, but there's some technical parts where it could be a big time problem if uh, people are trying to dive bomb late in the race. There, it, it's it's not really like a road America, but there is kind of like an elevation change going to the start finish line, and then you dive bomb it kind of like into a Watkins Glen, into one, two, into three, where calamity sometimes strikes heading into one. There's a lot of calamity heading into one. Um, and, and the rain will see if, if tempers get overblown and um, and just people just lose their you-know-what at the end of this race upcoming in Portland. Once again, 25, 25, 25 stages, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday afternoon. Let's dive into our race picks. Let's go to Gateway or Worldwide Technology Raceway. Jared, when it is all said and done, who's going to be taking that trophy of the Enjoy Illinois 300? I think we... I'm going to go a little bit in the Joe Gibbs race that I made a mention of him. Martin Truex Jr., I, I don't want to say I have a feeling with him, but I think he can perform well. I mean, I wouldn't be put against Joey Logano to perform well. I think it's going to be a four-Toyota type of day. Hendrick Motorsports didn't even finish in the top ten last year. Yeesh. 
I'm gonna go with the guy that um I, I was thinking about Ryan Blaney, and I was like, eh, now nah. thinking about Christopher Bell. I think he's gonna run really good. Um, I was thinking about Chase Briscoe, and then I and then we didn't even talk about him getting one of the biggest penalties in look out in, in NASCAR. Slam boodled, as I mentioned. Shout out, slam boodled. Shout out, slam boodled. We'll get to that after our race picks because we should we should mention that that just did come out. Um, but I'm gonna go with the guy that I think is gonna be absolute on a mission to show everybody that uh that he can put his money where his mouth is i'm gonna go with denny hamlin i mean he, he was fired up on his podcast um he he's got a win at kansas this year so he's already locked into the playoffs um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the 11 guy i think the 11 team chris gabehart's gonna be fired up i'm gonna go with the 11 card denny hamlin getting the job done he did say in his podcast that he's not really white hot anymore. He lost this yeah. the flame. But yeah. uh, again, Toyota's, I think, can do well. But I want to make mention, um, you know, a lot of people, some people make the comparison of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. William Byron won there in the spring. But last year with Hendrick Motorsports, as I may mention, he finished 19th last year. So I think some people will favor William Byron, but be wary of what happened with Hendrick Motorsports last year at Gateway or Worldwide Technology Raceway. Last but not least, we just mentioned it, Chase Briscoe penalized following inspection. They announced while we were recording it that um, that Chase Briscoe's team penalized. Listen to this, Jared. Counterfeit underwing part. John Klossmeyer fined $250,000 suspended from NASCAR for the next six races. Team and the driver have been assessed with a loss of 120 points in 25 NASCAR playoff points. According to the press release we just got, NASCAR's Greg Zipidelli says we had a quality control lapse and a part that never should have been on a car going to the racetrack ended up on the number 14 car at Charlotte. We accept NASCAR's decision and will not appeal. Now, according to Elton Sawyer of NASCAR, they said that the penalty was the result of a counterfeit NACA duck due to NACA duck to the engine panel. That is a single source part. There's one thing that we have learned, Jared. You do not mess with anything on the car, especially if it's a counterfeit part. No, I mean, we've already learned, you know, don't mess with the louvers. Don't mess with this part. How many more parts do we have to say? But I think it was interesting. I heard a note that this part, even though, like I said, it was manufactured, you know, 3D printed, was supposed to help with the downforce. And Joey Logano said, at these type of tracks, we're, we're terrible at these downforces. And Briscoe, they really struggled at he Charlotte. He was terrible. He was they, awful. I mean, they rallied. They started terrible. At the beginning of the race, I looked up at one point, all Stuart Haas racing cars were 29th or worse Jeez. on the racetrack. And they lost, and I tweeted it, lost three three of the four drivers, Harvick, Almarola, and Priest, lost a combined 41 spots from their starting position in stage one. I was like, geez. But they did turn it on, but Briscoe and Almarola was with some contact with Bubba Wallace, which we didn't even mention that type of story that happened in the Coca-Cola 600 between Bubba Wallace and Eric Amarola, but you know, the Fords were looking for downforce. I mean, it Briscoe didn't really get that, you know, clear advantage, but yeah, no, no, you got an L3 penalty for putting this part on your car. Jared, 
Stay out there. Let's dive on in, do some checkered flag with some final thoughts, brother. Checkered flag, here I come. Final thoughts are in the air. Whatever you we want to rant, rave, or anything in between, Mister Big Hoss, Mister the Real Jared Hoss on Twitter. The floor is yours. Flying birds were plenty at the Coca Cola Six Hundred, as I made mention. We didn't talk about it, but I'm going to talk about Eric Almirola and Bubba Wallace. Oh my! Apparently, there was some confusion what was going on because the replay was shown in the media center. Some stuff that like more that made Bubba Wallace look like the instigator instead of Eric Almirola. And apparently Eric Almirola was upset that Bubba Wallace flipped the bird on him. And they can, you know, they talked during the rain delay and Eric Almirola shoved Bubba Wallace. And I mean, if you're going to poke the bear, you, you know, expect to defend yourself. What's the, you know, don't, <laughs> you don't want to mess around unless you're going to find out. Uh, you know, that's the biggest thing. If you're going to throw fingers, you got to do it properly. If you keep throwing fingers, you're going to get dumped. You know, you're going to get someone who's going to push on you, you know, try to fight you, be upset, say whatever. So if you want to use it, use it properly. But again, that's like I said, that's what we're talking about for Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace has actually been performing quite well for 2311 Racing. Toyota Racing said that this is the first time in team history that 2311 had two cars in the top five. And even with like the recent stance of what happened with Bubba Wallace um, with the past few races, I mean, he had it, he had a pretty impressive restart came from, I think it was like 14th finished fourth. And then you look at the previous results, the all-star race, he was right up there as well. And then you look at, you know, Kansas, he was up there. You had, let's see, let me roll back. So Charlotte fourth, Darlington fifth, Kansas was fourth as well, and then even at Martinsville, ninth. So he's been, they've been stepping up with 2311 racing since the Coda incident where Bubba Walls had that meltdown. You know, it's, I think he's built it up quicker with his confidence than he did last year. So Bubba Walls to look out for, I think it's just keeping his fingers in check. He might be fine. For me, it's going to be once again. Portland. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna shove it down your throat once again because I only get it once a year. And, and last year the fans showed out. I mean, it was pouring rain, monsoonish rain, and their fans were every single place. The grandstands on pit road. Uh, when it was not time to be on pit road, they were they were behind pit road watching everything. That they, they were all in their rain ju- jackets, rain ponchos, everything you want to talk about. Now it comes the real time. The real fans, the fans that this wasn't just a, a one-hit wonder. The second year, all the real hardcore diehard fans show up. And it's supposed to be great weather, mid-80s. For everybody that's that's in the Portland area, come on out because you have no road course ringers. You got well, you have no cup guys. You have some road course ringers, and it should be a fantastic, fantastic show. Cole Custer still looking for his first win of the season. You got three JRM guys still trying to get their first wins of the season. Then you got the fantastic battle. What are we going to see from Jordan Taylor? What are we going to be seeing from from the other guys? It's going to be fun. I encourage everyone to uh, check it out. And hey, if there's another fantastic showing from this crowd, you never know. Maybe even the Cup guys take a trip to the Pacific Northwest and then go down to Sonoma for a little mini West Coast swing. Once again, a big thing to my boy, Mr. Big Hoss. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
for coming on the program. Promote your socials, and then what are you going to be cooking up on our fantastic YouTube page each and every single week? Well, uh, like I said, just wrapped up a weekend at Charlotte, got some content, got a couple interviews that I'm excited to with some one in ARCA Driver, one in the Truck Series. You have some other news that I'm coming up with well, too. So I've got a lot of things cooking. Um, YouTube style, obviously, doing NASCAR Mailbox. Talked a little bit about Brad Keselowski and talked about the comers and goers during the Coca-Cola 600. And as obviously, you can find me at Real Jared Haas. We made mention of this before, but like I said, passed over 600 followers during the Coca-Cola 600. So as always, the next race you're going to find me is at Nashville Super Speedway. Oh, oh my. Nashville, Tennessee. Well, actually, it's in Lebanon, but it's in Tennessee. We, no one needs to know it's on Lebanon, okay? Just shh. Um, but I mean, are you, <laughs> you got to get there first, Brian. That's I got to know where Portland's at. If you're going <laughs> to. That is in Oregon. Oregon. Um, but no, in all seriousness, though, the incredibleness that Jared Haas has done with our YouTube channel. Uh, we had 107,000 people watch Eric Amarola's video, 40,000 for Bubble Walls, um, and then we had. 20,000 for William Byron. We are absolutely doing business. Very, very proud of everybody um, and all the hard work that they're doing here at Front Stretch. NASCAR Mailbox Rebuilding Brad Keselowski is now out on our YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash at Front Stretch. Once again, youtube.com slash at Front Stretch. You can find me on the Twitter at the Brian. You can find me on the Front Stretch um, Twitter at Front Stretch at the Real Jared Haas. And I guess I'll promote you to Trey at Trey Lyle VT. For Trey Lyle and Jared Haas, I am Brian Dimity Down Owen. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk to you next week. Recap, gateway, previewing. It's Noma left and right turn. <laughs>